everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk to you about things you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes, oh man... (laughs) It's been quite the week. 2021 uh, came in just, oh man. <laughs> I wish I could say I was surprised that it happened. I am, I, am, I am surprised that things got as far as they did. I am surprised there was not more bloodshed. Yeah, that's. I'm definitely surprised that nobody died. Also though, why does our house have stronger windows than the Capitol building? Yeah. It would take a lot more to break our windows. And people also want to steal our podiums. Oh, in case this is the future and someone's listening to us, we are talking about, of course... Um, Hashtag Capitol riots. Yeah. The uh, the MAGA motherfuckers uh, storming the Capitol. Uh, Austin, I heard it was Antifa and BLM. That's really weird because the guy they were saying was Antifa is more commonly known as the QAnon shaman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there were several, like, prominent white supremacist leaders, like, in the background of those photos. It's like, no, this wasn't Antifa. You're just a fucking idiot. The FBI has actually come out and been like, stop saying it was Antifa and BLM. We have zero evidence of any involvement from anybody other than the Trump supporters. Oh, and everyone's saying, look at his tattoo. That's an Antifa tattoo. And it's like, that's a tattoo from a video game called The Division, in which it's a bunch of military people um, killing American citizens for some reason. Hmm. <laughs> that after, like, the government collapses. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been one hell of a week. Like, I'm sitting there, and I was just checking the Georgia election results. Thank you, Queen Stacey Abrams. Yes. Okay, let's, let's focus on, like, the really great thing that is um, Stacey Abrams, who, like, the more I learn about her, the cooler she is. She wrote romance novels. She's a big Buffy fan. She loves Doctor Who. And more importantly, she is, like she's saying, you know, your fandom doesn't really matter. We can all get along as different fans of stuff. And that's like the most unifying thing I've ever heard anybody say. Yeah, I could see our 2024 ticket being Kamala Harris and Stacey Abrams in either direction. Yes. Um, And I'd be on board with that. But like, I was looking for those results. And then I went into 538. And it was like, hey, I saw this tweet just pop up. And that is how I thought it was happening. The news sources didn't pick it up for at least about 15 minutes after that happened. By that time, Twitter was all over it. I had sent Austin a Twitch live stream of what was happening. We are both trying to work while this is also going on. and. Yeah. And then there was that report that they'd taken the state house in Kansas too, and it turned out they'd just been let in because it was rainy. They weren't causing any problems other than, you know, existing. Yeah. Ugh, it was nuts. At, at least they've been arresting the people because um, the podium guy has been arrested. The QAnon shaman has been arrested. Zip tie guy has been arrested. The guy who was at Pelosi's desk um, claims he was just looking for a bathroom, which I know when I have to go to the bathroom, I love to stop, <laughs> steal some mail, and pose for photos with my feet up on a desk. Uh-huh. So everybody's, you know, the optics of them not immediately arresting, arresting people, not good. I figured they were going to start, you know, let's just like, there are websites dedicated to contacting them with the people you recognize. There's Instagram pages for that. And I think the goal, regardless of the optics, was we already know that there are bombs. We don't know what else they have. Let's handle this using the technology that they have so graciously let us use with their own fucking photos. And look at how amazingly well the police can Uh de-escalate a situation and just let it right out and then go in and arrest the bad actors later. 
Yeah. Oh, and also I was saying to Austin earlier, well, the reason they had to arrest the people at the other protest is because it was known they weren't committing any crimes. So it would be a lot harder to justify later because you can't say you're scared. Yeah. And we've just been seeing the people arrested from social media. We don't see the people who've been arrested from shit they've got from like the Capitol surveillance systems because, you know, there's security cameras Mm -hmm. everywhere. Yes. Yeah, I lived in D.C. and there are are social security cameras everywhere. Social security cameras. (laughs) So it's been it's been quite the week and I'm I am nervous about going up towards the actual inauguration day which is coming up in 10 days I think now. Uh, yeah, 10 days ish. Oh, I did do some research on the 25th amendment cuz I considered cover- covering it this week, but I figured by the time this came out it would be decided whether or not they were going to do it. They're not. Um here's the thing. Everybody's like, "Oh, all they have to do is make a quick decision and then we'll know whether or not he's out." No, no, no. That's not how this works. Impeachment could go faster if McConnell bothered to call people back, which he won't. But basically, they have to get a simple majority within the president's cabinet. Now, there are not a lot of rules set down for this. We've come up across this a lot in the last year that they have all these things that they can do, but they've never set forth rules for because they never thought it would happen. He needs a simple majority. They aren't sure whether or not an acting cabinet member is allowed to vote. There are two or three acting cabinet members right now. Then with Uh, cabinet members that have been like they're doing the job, but haven't been like approved by the Senate. Yes. And one of them, there's a whole thing with uh, the Dreamers DACA stuff that he wasn't allowed to sign off on that he did. And then with Elaine Chow and that hell beast Betsy DeVos quitting, it's believed that the simple majority is now down by two. So they don't have to worry about those two. They aren't aren't considered anything. They're like the equivalent of an abstention and they don't affect the simple majority. So I guess it's not even an abstention. It's a nothing. Oh, um, for for those of you who are not aware, um, Maddie feels towards Betsy DeVos the way that Joe Exotic feels towards Carol Baskins. Yes. Very much so. Although I would not send her death threats at any point. I want to make that no. clear. No, she. Um, I would not be sad if she was eaten by a tiger, but I would in no way attempt to make this happen. Is that why you've been like? Is that why you've been saving the sardine oil? Ooh, sardines are gross. I would never let that in my house. Yeah. Um. But basically, so the twenty fifth amendment. Let's pretend for a second it got that simple majority. In history, when they have had this happen before, it's always been initiated by the president himself because they were undergoing some kind of surgery where they weren't sure they'd wake up. And then he always immediately took it back. There was never a reason for debate. If things were going a normal way, they would send it to Congress and Congress would say, yeah, cool, because there was no debate. um, They would just I don't even know if Congress have to be involved. I'm blanking on that now. But the president is allowed to say, no, I feel I feel like I am able to handle the job, in which case it goes to Congress. Congress has a maximum of 21 days to make a decision. And it is unclear in that time if the president would be president or if they would be kind of off to the side while they waited for an answer. It reads to me like he would still remain president because he had not been declared unfit. We have a cra- so, so much no matter what, unless they decided to, unless either Trump decided to not contest it or they decided to hold both votes that day, there would be almost no chance of it working. Now, with the impeachment, we talked about impeachment on a previous episode. Um, they are looking tomorrow's the day that they're planning on putting that forward. The House, last I heard, is planning on looking at a rules waiver that would let them vote that day without the normal dog and pony show that goes with it. But McConnell saying he's not calling back the Senate until the 19th. So... He could make still technically do it, but he won't. The mistake he's making here, though, is if he does it now, let's say it passes the House, which I don't think it will, but let's say it does. 
If it passes now, the Republicans still have a majority in the Senate. By the 19th, the Republicans have a good chance of not having a majority in the Senate. So let's say that it does pass the House. And then let's say for some reason they have to call it on the 19th or even in the morning on the 20th. They could have a, ma- a Democrat majority then. Yeah. They still need like, what is it? Two thirds to uh, to uh, to. Uh, I don't remember. Go back and listen to our impeachment yeah. episode. Yeah. It's crazy. But Ugh. basically, yeah, the best we can hope for is him taking his ball and going home. Well, at least um, he's banned from Twitter. Which oh, my God. The, oh, and um, he's banned from Cash App and Sni- and uh, uh, WhatsApp and TikTok. Yeah, it's like, um, basically, if there is an online platform, they have banned Donald Trump from it. Yeah, I saw Snapchat said he was not allowed to post anymore. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I have questions. Donald Trump was on Snapchat? Was he sending pictures of himself like little puppy filters? What was happening here? So it's, uh, I think like we should start doing an over under though on how fast Melania is divorcing him after this. Oh, um, it is 12.01 on January 20th. There is going to be a divorce paper in his hand. Also, where is he going to be at 12.01 on January 20th? Scotland told him he can't come. He's, I think... You know, he's planning on going to the to Alamo, not the Alamo. Just Alamo. I'm not Alamo. sure if he knows that. Yeah, I'm sure he thinks he's going to the Alamo and not this tiny town on the border of Mexico that happens to be called Alamo. I think he's just going to uh, bolt across the border. Oh, Mexico's no, but... going to be like, uh, no, no but you. he built a wall there. He's not going to make it. Hey, we've seen that walls don't do he's, anything. Uh, oh, they, they're going to do something Donald Trump because he's not going to be able to climb that wall. So he just shot himself in the foot. He thinks he can just run across the border into Mexico and yell base and be fine. But nope. Yeah. Alamo, Texas is uh, has under 20,000 people there and it is farming and retirement communities oh so it's it's, it's, they're his fans and there's a wildlife refuge so not his fans (laughs) uh this is probably the kind of place that has been saying don't build the wall because you're going to destroy the animals i don't know that for sure i actually haven't bothered to look into it too much but i don't know i think he really does believe that it is the alamo and not alamo either that or they're saying alamo texas and they got an alamo rent-a-car parking lot it's all of these are all of these three are equally good options based on what we know. And I'm just so tired. But just give me some brief amusements. And also, it's not exactly his target demographic, because according to Wikipedia, Latinos are 78 percent of the population. Oh, no. Yeah. He thinks he's going to the Alamo. Oh, dear. Because he is not going to have a um, like that's my other worry, though, since I saw that he was going to Alamo, Texas. I'm like, who is he bringing to this place that is going to have a large Latino population? So um, be careful if you live in Alamo or near Alamo. Be careful. Yeah. Well, are you ready to get started? I'm sure we're very popular with small towns in Texas. Oh, you know, we probably have like a huge listenership in small town Texas. But yeah, because, out of like, our 15 listeners, at least 12 of them are in small town Texas. Yeah. So are you are you ready to get started? I'm not ready for anything this week. It's okay, because I am ready because I'm going to talk about something weird. Like, you know, unlike what we usually do, where I talk about something very serious. Mm-hmm. I am going to talk about a very, very, very short war. This is like an amuse-bouche of a war. So okay. what does it come before? Because I'm pretty sure an amuse-bouche is a kind of appetizer. Eh. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Anyway, it's like, it's an appetizer of a war. It's itty-bitty. It's a small plate. It's tapas. It is the Hundred Hours War. Remember tapas? Yeah. Remember restaurants? I don't really miss restaurants that much, but tapas were good. Yeah. The Hundred Hours War. uh, uh, 
the Hundred Hours War, sometimes known as the Football War, or um, if you're an American, the Soccer War. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those cases where the story um, kind of outstrips the reality because it's called the Football War, but it's not really about football. It's involved. It's about soccer. But it's not really about it. (laughs) And you'll see these like BuzzFeed listicles where it's like, wow, you won't believe how soccer started a war. It didn't really, though. And I want to talk about it. So here's a bit of scene setting for everybody. It takes place in a war between El Salvador and Honduras. Now, El Salvador and Honduras are both uh, small Central American countries. They're neighbors. He keeps looking at me because he knows I don't know geography. I assume uh, that's why he's yeah. looking at me because I have no other response to yeah. him. Now, El Salvador is the smaller country. It is about a quarter the size of Honduras, but it had a much larger population. It had about had over a million more people than Honduras did. And um, El Salvador was just more crowded. So for years and years and years, El Sal- uh, Salvadorans would just cross the border into Honduras and work on farms as migrant laborers. Or they would like, you know, just kind of set up like squatter farms in the hills around the border area. And just be there. Just remember that we have an El Salvadorian restaurant near us. Oh, it's oh, I miss that place. We should get delivery from them. <laughs> okay, back on topic. Why are you doing this to because me? Because I am tired of being in the house all the time. So yeah, uh, there was about 30,000 migrants at the time this happened. Or about 20% of Honduras's population were Salvadorian mar- migrants. And this was kind of, it worked okay until 1963, when there was a military coup into Honduras and Oswaldo Lepe- Lopez Areno became in charge of the country. He was part of like, you know, he rose to power so they could fight communism from coming to power, coming over from Cuba, because, you know, we have to stop the rise of communists. In reality, it was people were mad that American uh, fruit companies owned a lot of the land and were kind of wrecking the economy and just like just siphoning money out of the country. But we never do things like that. And they were wanting to stop that. So you can kind of guess how America got involved in this one. Imagine if it had been yeah. oil. Oh, if it had been oil? Holy shit. So needless to say, he wasn't hugely popular with like the general public. And... um. So he had an election and won it by a landslide, but uh, there was lots of claims that it was fraudulent. It's I didn't find anything of if it was or not, but it's not really important in the situation. He was also very openly being bribed by the American fruit companies so they wouldn't have to pay taxes on their bananas and on their ex- exports and imports. And uh, the fruit companies were still kind of ruining the local economy, but he was they were bribing him. So he was getting his and he didn't care about the rest of the people. But. That wasn't making people happy, so he needed a way to deflect the blame from him, and he decided to do it by blaming the Salvadorian migrants' workers as his scapegoat. There was horrendous violence committed against these migrants. Beatings, rapes, murders, being driven out of towns. Uh, The Honduras government also began expelling them en masse back to El Salvador. Now, and this created a refugee crisis in the already crowded El Salvador because these were the like lo- these were just the lowest class like uneducated farmers and they were just being shoved back in where there was no jobs, no place for them to farm, no land, there was just nothing for them. So it was creating a, a migrant crisis which was El-, El Salvador had been kind of encouraging them to migrate over for years just to ease the crowding and also ease um demands for them to redistribute land mm-hmm. and kind of like you know shake things up from people uh because there's also a problem with American fruit companies in El Salvador. American fruit companies are kind of like the elephant in the room in this entire conflict, and they never get addressed. So this uh, obviously caused the tensions between these two countries to very steadily rise. Things were not good. And then 
it got worse because they had to face off against each other in a qualifying series of matches to get into the 1970 World's Cup. Now, as you may be aware, Central and South America take football very seriously. There is like, you know, the stereotype of like, you know, the soccer riots and all of this like violence around soccer football games and soccer games. That is kind of one of those stereotypes that comes from truth. What country was it that recently beheaded one of the referees? Venezuela Mm. and also Colombia Mm. and also Brazil. Really? Yeah. I only knew about one. Oh, there have been uh, referee murders in many South American countries. But like there was the very very public decapitation of one of them. Yeah. And this has been a regular problem since then going back to the 1920s. There have been riots. Uh, referees have been assassinated. Players have been beaten and killed for doing poorly, or they've had to go into hiding for like, you know, missing a save or doing something. There's actually a player who scored a, an own goal in which he like accidentally kicked the ball into his own goal goal and lost in the game. And he was murdered for that very publicly. So very seriously, like they make they make like American sports fans seem tame. And so just these games became a matter of national pride on on top of people being already fanatic about it because these two countries are kind of like in a slow boiling feud. And this is kind of like a way to unleash some of that. So let's go to the first game. The first game took place in Honduras. Uh, the Honduran fans started off well before the game by camping out in front of the hotel the, the Salvadorian team was staying at and honking horns, chanting, throwing rocks at windows, just being loud and annoying so the other team couldn't sleep. And it kind of worked because the next day... Their team, the Salvadoran team, was exhausted, and they didn't play well. And in the last minute, Honduras scored a goal and beat them. This was devastating. And it got even more devastating when a fan was actually so upset by the loss, she killed herself. Like in the stands? No, at home. Okay. Amelia Bolinos shot herself in the chest minutes after this loss. She did die instantly, and the newspapers across El Salvador ran this story of she couldn't take the shame. Jesus Christ. She became kind of a martyr about this football series. And again, it became a national priority for the El Salvadorian team to win these games against Honduras. Pictures of her were printed in the newspapers and were waved around at the next game. Uh, And about that next game, uh, this one was taking place in El Salvador, and the Salvadorian fans made sure that the Honduran team couldn't sleep just in the exact same way with basically a riot outside of the hotel until before the game. And El Salvador handily won this game 3-0. So many adults doing all of these things. Yeah. Now, the Honduran team actually had to return home via armored bus because they were under attack all the way to the border. People were throwing rocks, like, you know, just just throwing stuff at this bus as it went by. Uh, By accounts, the coach actually said, we are lucky that we lost. Otherwise, we would die. Mm -hmm. And of course... This was also a matter of national pride in Honduras as well. And following the match, in a fit of national pride, attacks against the Salvadorian migrants escalated. So this continued in which there was low-level violence across the border when it came to Game 3, the deciding game in Mexico City to determine which team would go to the World Cup. Now, Mexican authorities were prepared for trouble. They brought in extra police from all over. So this game was in Mexico? extra security. It was in Mexico City. Game three. See, nowadays, I kind of feel like the, the World Cup people, whoever runs that, would be like, yeah, how about you guys just aren't qualified anymore? Oh, no, 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 no. That would have caused an even bigger problem. No, I'm talking about now. Even now. 
Yeah. And it was just so extra police, but it wasn't enough. The entire game was basically a gigantic fight between the two groups of fans in the stands, and the police were powerless to stop them. Uh, El Salvador ended up winning the game 3-2 to two in overtime. And then after that vi- victory, the fighting got worse because, you know, sports fans. So uh, incidentally, uh, Salvador did go to the World Cup in which they lost all three games <laughs> in the group stage and did not advance. But it looks like they were up a really against a really tough group group because they had to go against the USSR and that wouldn't have gone well for them. No. Uh, after this game, diplomatic ties between El Salvador and Honduras were severed. So I just remembered that right before COVID, I had tickets to see a Sporting KC game and I don't know whatever happened to those. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, obviously... well like, I know the game was postponed and then canceled and I never heard anything again. Um, like, I got the tickets from my company, so I'm sure whoever purchased them is the one who got the email about it. Yeah. But I was like, was I supposed to get an email? Was I supposed to let my, my company know that I got an email? Because I didn't get one. Yeah. I know that's exciting, everybody. Oh, man. Sporting KC games are fun, though. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no like, massive fights and national pride on the line, but... No, although I went to a game... Um, it's Soccer's funny. Like, I've, I've, when I watch soccer, there's always at least one person who... <laughs> my favorite one was when they realized they were about to, like, lose the point. The guy stops. He looks around, and then he falls down crying and acts like he hurt himself. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, we can... You are on a Jumbotron. We can all see you. Meanwhile, hockey players like, oh, I'm going to lose. I'm going to beat you then. I love hockey. I love hockey. <laughs> and, of course, if the violence against the Salv- Salvadorian migrants was bad before, it just became so much worse after this. In fact, um, it became so bad that El Salvador actually had to take action. And if they also managed to expand their territory and take big chunks of Honduras in the process, hey, so be it. Yay. So on July 14th, 1969, El Salvador invaded Honduras. Their attack started when passenger planes with explosives uh, strapped to their sides acted as kind of impromptu bombers and crippled Honduras's international airport and basically grounded their air force for a little while. So that's how it attacked it. It started. Then 30,000 Salvadorian soldiers supported by light tanks invaded up the two main roads from El Salvador into Honduras. They met very little resistance at first and almost made it all the way to the capital. But then with some aid from Nicaragua and a series of victories in the air, which um, three Salvadorian planes were shot down, and that basically guaranteed uh, Honduras air superiority in this war. Three airplanes. Which, by the way, this was the last war in which both sides used piston-powered propeller planes. They were both, like, relics from World War II. Both sides had relics from World War II, and this is the last war in which those were both used on both sides. So, yeah, this is a little, little fact. little fact. Now, just thinking about, you know, everybody's like, oh, the soccer caused the war, but really it's, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like when you, you know, watch those videos of a store worker suddenly freaking out on somebody. Yeah, that was the 20th person who refused to wear a mask that day. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were done after the first 19. Yep. So, yeah, again, their Air Force got their shit together and they managed to uh, do a raid destroying a refinery and basically like cutting up some supply lines. And so Honduras managed to stop their advance. So this was after about two days. Then it kind of stood around for two days. 
and then eventually uh, El Salvador agreed to a ceasefire. Uh, it kind of sat there for a while. The uh, migrants were flooding back into uh, El Salvador from Honduras. It's like, oh, cool, we can escape now. They were getting them out. And on August 2nd, under pressure from the Organization of American States, El Sal- uh, over sanctions. It's like, hey, withdraw or getting sanctions. El Salvador full- agreed to fully withdraw. And everything kind of went back to where it was before this started, after four days. So, what changed exactly? Well, uh, thousands of soldiers and civilians died. <laughs> the Salvadorian refugee crisis compounded. It just became a lot worse. Uh, both economies struggled and kind of tanked after this war because it was expensive. And there was long-term civil unrest in both countries. So, there was no winner in this situation. Except for the American for- the American fruit companies. They actually made a lot more money after this. And whatever team won the World Cup that year. I don't know who won the 1970 World Cup. I'm going to say Brazil. I'm looking it up. Keep going. Look it up. So yeah. Now, again, it's like I was talking about this myth from the listicles that this was over soccer was misleading. The matches were absolutely a catalyst in this. This was like a kind of slow thing that kind of got shoved to the front by some soccer games. But it was a much deeper issue. And the games are just a distant cry from actually causing this strife. Brazil. Brazil. Brazil, Italy, West Germany, and Uruguay. I'm sorry. Brazil. I called it. Called it. So like saying that that a soccer match caused this war would be kind of like saying the Boston Tea Party was the entire cause of the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. There was a lot of factors leading up to it. And this was just one catalyzing event in a longer series of things. But it's fun to say, oh, wow, look at how much these South American countries love soccer. They love it so much they started a war over it. Uh Uh-huh. But it's, that's not true. And that kind of bugged me, and I wanted to say and talk <laughs> about it. We should learn about this in PE. And of course, we were also talking about how we never learned anything about South America. And so I was trying to find something, and this is what I ended up finding. Yep. Uh, I still regularly say that Portugal is in South America. They it, speak Portuguese in a good percentage. And yes, I know that you could also say, well, then that means England is in America, but... it kind of It kind of is. I mean... We have our own Boris Johnson right now. Ugh. Ugh. So are you ready for questions? Yes. All right. Well, the fact that the football war was not actually a war over football beyond the test. Yeah. Well, the fact that American fruit companies destabilized at least two countries to the point of war beyond the test. No. And, well, blaming immigrants is no, is not just a thing that the United States does beyond the test. The fact that it happened will be on the test. They won't talk about us. Oh, never. Never. So, yeah, that was my little thing. All right. And which, so I told a story We've about- We've been forgetting to ask what people learned, what we learned. Do we learn anything anymore? But I remember, like, we used to do that, and I don't remember how many weeks it's been since we've said- It's so been it's a long the time. So yeah, that was that was that was my little thing, and I told you a sto- I told you a sports story, and I How only you... glazed over for like a third of it's it. It's true. I could see the second I said, "Okay, there was a soccer game," and just I I don't do sports. She absolutely hates sports. Yeah, like uh, you know, on Scrubs, when Carla and Elliot are trying to have a conversation, and Turk and JD are trying to interrupt them, and they just say "shoes," and the guys <laughs> just both kind of start looking this into space, saying "shoes." That's me when sports get mentioned. <laughs> they brought them back with underwear, I think, which would also work on me. Ooh, I'm sorry. What? There you go. So I had a hard time picking a topic this week. I know you did too. Yeah. I started with, okay, so what is this British burning down the Capitol building thing? Which I've actually talked about on the podcast before. It was way back on episode, I want to say eight, but I mentioned it later on today. 
when I talked about Dolly Madison. But I didn't really go into it too much about why that happened. But then I realized I was going to talk about the whole War of 1812. So I was like, okay, I actually legitimately never learned about the War of 1812 in school. What What is this war? And every source I went to said, I don't know. Like, even these, like, legitimate news sources were like, and, you know, historical societies. We don't really know why this war happened. It could have been this or this or this, but mostly kind of feels like we wanted to fight the British again. So I was like, okay, that seems like too much brain space after us having a coup in the Capitol this week. But when I was reading about the War of 1812 and the burning of the Capitol, I read a little tidbit about James Madison's stature. And I was like, I don't know why, but that really jumped out at me. So I was like, okay, I've talked about Dolly Madison. It's been a while since I've profiled a person, I feel like. I'm going to talk about James Madison today, the president, the last time the Capitol was burned down or uh, (laughs) invaded. It was burned down the last time, not this time. So what do you know about James Madison, if Um, anything? Something about the Madison Doctrine? I don't know. Yeah, I know nothing about Madison. That's the Monroe Doctrine. I know nothing about Madison. See, and that's the thing. He is one of those founding fathers who was actually, like, aggressively important, but he also did some stuff that constitutionalists and people like them, despite him being the father of the Constitution, would not like. Was Madison played by Oak in Hamilton? Yes. Okay, okay, good. I know know one thing about Madison now. (laughs) Yes, he was played by somebody who is much larger than actual Madison was. What? Uh, James Madison, if you heard about him in school, you heard about him as the father of the Constitution. And in Hamilton, he does, or about the Bill of Rights, he's like, which I wrote. Which I wrote. Which is a whole other thing, though. Yes, he wrote them, but there's an asterisk. Oh. There's an asterisk on all of these things. Oh, my. And he had some interesting beliefs that are actually really complicated and very hard to get into the short amount of time I have. So I'm going to do my best. But if you're interested, go find a book. James Madison, born March 16th, 1751 on Belgrove Plantation in Port Conway, Virginia. He was the oldest of 12 children. Six of his siblings made it to adulthood. Uh, His parents were James Madison Sr. and Nellie Conway Madison. His dad was a tobacco planter on a 5,000-acre plantation with 100 enslaved people working for him, making him the largest landowner in the area. So he was important and rich. As you might expect, Madison grew up under a lot of privilege. Hmm. He had a tutor named Donald Robinson. A lot of people didn't have opportunities for education, let alone a private tutor, uh, who taught him math, geography, and languages, uh, particularly Latin, from 11 to 16. At 16, he uh, studied under someone named Reverend Thomas Martin to further prepare for himself to go to college. Now, most Virginians who went to college back then went to the College of William and Mary, but Madison ended up not going there because he wasn't in the best of health, and the climate at the school would have made it much worse. Oh no, his delicate constitution. So he went to the College of New Jersey, now called Princeton, in 1769. Now, the health thing. It's debated. He was definitely small, because remember I mentioned his stature. He is the shortest president at five foot four. Oh, he's little. And he was a hundred pounds soaking wet. He rarely got above a hundred pounds. Oh my god, this guy's like my sister's size. Yes, he is a very small guy. He spoke so quietly that he was hard to hear, and it's, they say it's because his voice was so weak. Um, he often had, I forgot to write it down, bilious fever, which basically means jaundice, and something that kind of appeared like epilepsy. It seems he was declared too frail for military service, so even when he became the second in command for the Orange County militia, he wasn't allowed to fight. <laughs> there was one 
big incident in 1775 when he was undergoing a militia drill and he collapsed. And this happened from time to time after that. He would either have full collapses to daydreaming with difficulty getting him back, which is a, a type of epilepsy or a, evidence of something similar to epilepsy. But there was no, as far as I could tell, tell no precipitating incident to this. There wasn't a head injury, nothing like that. This type of seizure typically goes away before you hit adulthood. This is something that kids get. A lot of kids get it. If your kids are zoning out big time and you're like, hey, 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 they're they could be having a seizure. Oh my God. Are all of our cats having seizures yes. all of the time? They typically last about 15 seconds and you just, you they can't hear you. You can't reach them. They're just staring into space. They look like they're daydreaming. Kids get called lazy a lot when they have these kinds of seizures. No, they're having seizures. You just can't see them. And it's not, you know, it's not a big on the ground thing. Those types of seizures, 65% of kids who have them, they're gone by the time they're teenagers. So it's really odd that this would suddenly show up for him in his 20s. Not that it can't happen, just that it's unusual. He is the only really major founding father who was not old already, who did not fight in the Revolutionary War. He was there, but he at no point fought. I, I'm, I feel like everyone was fine with that. It's like, okay, okay, yeah, just you, you do your thing. You do your thing. You're fine. You're fine. But some people believe he was a hypochondriac and not actually ill. <laughs> Especially as he seems to have had a lot of premonitions about having an early death. Which, uh, spoiler alert, didn't happen. Well, I mean, it's, okay, I'm going to say this. I don't think they would want him, like, fighting the Revolutionary War, because I'm pretty sure they could have, like, he could have hidden in a cannon barrel and been fine. Well, um, he lived to 85. Oh. This was, overall, he was fine. <laughs> so his health is debated, except for the big incident on during the military uh, training exercise. Nobody really seems to know why he was sick all the time, but that is why Oak is coughing when he's James Madison throughout the play. He's he got the little cloth... Um, and he's coughing throughout it because James Madison was supposed to be sick all the time. Anyway, uh, while he was in college, he studied a little bit of everything because he seemed to have no idea what he wanted to be when he grew up. Same. His big thing was studying the Enlightenment, which leaned liberal and shaped his decisions for the rest of his life. He was one of the leaders of the school's American Whig Society, WHIG. I saw you going there. And he finished the three-year bachelor's program in two years. So he's done. And he still doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. So he just doesn't leave. <laughs> and he continues to take classes. And they don't know what to do with him. So he's actually the first graduate student at Princeton University. Because they didn't want to tell him to leave. <laughs> well, he was rich. He like, was you just rich, keep doing yeah. it. You, you paying us? Good. We'll find something for you. So he stayed on to study Hebrew and political philosophy. This, um, when he did go back home, which was in 1772, he still hadn't decided what he wanted to be when he grew up. So he just kind of tutored his siblings and hung out on the plantation. Then he was like, okay, I need to do something. I'm really bored. So he'd kind of thought maybe I'll be a lawyer. Maybe I'll join the clergy. So he started getting a bunch of law books. He contacted his friend, William Bradford, who was an apprentice to a lawyer, I believe, in New York, and was like, send me a curriculum. What books should I be reading? So he never actually tried to become a lawyer, but he studied enough that he, with the way that kind of was set up back then, if he had gotten an apprenticeship, he would have become a lawyer. We've talked a little bit about this in the past, how lawyers didn't have to actually like do anything to become lawyers. An important thing about Madison, though, Madison had his opinions. He was very loud about his opinions. Except and he had a very quiet speaking voice. Yes. He was also apparently an excellent public speaker, which is interesting for somebody who doesn't speak well or loudly. It's like I said, there's this man's an enigma. 
But he also didn't like to misrepresent himself. So his thing was, I am a student of law. I am not a lawyer. Because back then, it wouldn't have been uncommon to say he's a lawyer because of how studied he was in law. He was like, no, I don't practice law. I just know the law. Then the pre-revolutionary war actions began to ramp up and he joined the Patriots, which were part of the Continental Congress, um, as he thought the British had no right to be taxing the colonies like they were. He also wanted the Anglican Church in Virginia to be dismantled because they had established themselves as the religion in the area. No ifs, ands, or buts. You were that or you were punished. And that flied in the, flew in the face of freedom of religion. Unlike what we like to believe about our founding fathers, Madison was not religious at all. Later in his life, he said, yeah, Unitarians are okay. But that's as far as it ever went. He actually thought about joining the clergy, and he was not a religious person. <laughs> what? Well, I think he liked the philosophies there of, like, don't be a dick to each other. And, hey, like, be you as long as you're not hurting anybody, which was kind of his driving force through his entire career was individual rights as long as you don't infringe on anybody else's individual rights. Freedom of religion seems to be a huge issue throughout most of his career, and he spent a lot of his time trying to write laws that made sure people could practice whatever religion they want. Some specific mentions are made in his career of Quakers, because Quakers are pacifists, and Quakers are being forced to fight in their wars. Another common theme is wanting a strong central government with limited power to the states, but lots of power to individuals. Basically, and guys, this is where it gets really complicated. You, you, I did not read somebody's dissertation on him. If you are interested in learning more about how this dude's brain works, I think the same guy who wrote Hamilton wrote a book on Madison. I'm not sure, but I'm sure there is one. And... Basically, he wanted strong central government, state governments that kind of were there to just manage things under what the federal government wanted, and then the federal government answered to the people and not the states. So it was n basically he kind of looked at state lines like those are arbitrary and they are the way Congress is set up. It doesn't actually represent the people who live there. I'll talk in that about that in a second. Three-fifths compromise. That was him. Not by choice. <laughs> he wanted them to be full, uh, fully viewed as humans. So he actually was not a fan of states' rights. He was a fan of individual rights and a strong constitution, which makes constitutionalists very confused because I'm sure they all think that he was like, but my rights when it talked about states' rights, but not individual rights, because he also was one was the person who wrote the Bill of Rights, including the Second Amendment, which was not what he wrote. He did write the Second Amendment. Ooh. It is not quite accurate. He didn't like that the states could look at a federal law and go, no, we're not doing that, which they still can do today. They can't. Basically, they can look at a federal law and some of them they can choose to have and some of them they can be like, no, we're not doing that. And then some of them they can make it stricter. Like, it kind of depends on how the law is written. It's like law a la carte. Kind of like, okay, at the national level, abortions for everyone. And on the state level, it's like... Abortions if we like you. We do it with a lottery drawing like the Powerball. There is one place. We will not tell you where it is. Mm -hmm. Here's a treasure map. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't a big fan of that. He wanted the people to be able to make their own choices, not to have some smaller government do it for them. He also wanted everything in the Constitution to be aggressively, abundantly clear that the Constitution was beholden to the people. And it was to be unbiased. And it was, at the end of the day, at the pleasure of the people. For the most part, though. Because he, of course, wasn't always like that. Because who doesn't like their own power? Oh, yeah. So, like, it's... He's one of those... I've talked about this every time we talk about a person. We don't know what to make of them. Nobody is wholly good 
or wholly evil, except for some very specific exceptions. Me. In which most of those, wholly evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1774, he got further involved uh, by taking a seat on the local committee of safety, which oversaw their patriot militia. The following year, 1775, he became the colonel of that militia under his father. This is the one where he was trained but didn't fight. He became a delegate at the Fifth Virginia Convention, which made the state's first constitution. At their constitutional convention, he demanded they change the Virginia Declaration of Rights to say equal entitlement rather than tolerance when it came to religion. So you didn't have to tolerate people's religions. You had to give them the same privileges your religion got. Yes. Uh, unsurprisingly, during this time, he became friends with Thomas Jefferson, governor of Virginia. He ran for Virginia's House of Delegates in 1776 and lost. He says he lost because he didn't bribe his voters with alcohol like the other side did. And we've talked about this in the past, too, the history of voting, that you were basically drunk when you voted for a very long time. And he was like, that doesn't seem like a way to make an informed decision, because that's something that came up with him a lot is an enlightened populace. Enlightened. Enlightened. Well, who decides what enlightened is? Yeah. Madison does. Um, and so he, he was like, I'm not going to bribe them to vote for me. They're an enlightened populace. They're going to vote for me. They did not. But Patrick Henry has something to do with that, too. Um, but I, I do think that there should be food at voting locations, like snacks. Oh, I, uh, I finally broke down because I've been wanting like a donut or a pastry for the longest time. And I finally got danishes at the grocery store. And cheese danishes God, so good. Like in Australia, they give you sausage when you go vote. I would love it if I got, like, sausages for voting. I know. Like, set up a fucking hot dog stand outside. Like, I will vote. I, I mean, I do vote, but, like, like, I will vote. In at, per- I will vote on the day of in person. Not during COVID. That w- a hot, I wouldn't do that for a hot dog. I would, I'm would. i hitting the point where I do that for a hot dog. You've got a hot dog restaurant next to your work. <sighs> I'll make it a hot dog. I've never gotten food from there. You never brought me any. Do you want me to bring home some sausages for you? Yeah. I mean, we did get our ballots for a local school initiative. Uh, I'll bring some, bring you a sausage, and we'll fill out our ballots. Okay. Yay! Uh, so Madison's Democracy. rise, it seemed unstoppable until he stopped. In 1797, he was like, I'm retiring. <laughs> now, he is not very old at this point. He is, let's see, 1797, he was 46. 1797. Yep, 46. Which, even for the time. So that's the thing that we get wrong about life expectancies. They're averages of all people who live. If you survived past infancy to toddlerhood, which was when you were most likely to die, you're going to have a fairly average lifespan. I mean, we do live longer now. You'd have hit 60 or 70, most likely. Yeah, it wasn't. You either died very young or you lived what we would consider a good life now. Um, So he actually wasn't that old in the grand grand scheme. Uh, Except, so he goes off to Montpelier. Uh, Montpelier not Vermont. This is Montpelier plantation that his family had moved to while he was being tutored by the first guy. Um, except wait, they just moved it. Oh wait, no, that's okay. I thought it's like they all left for this different place. Like we're gonna tutor you, James. We're just gonna go elsewhere. Actually, I kind of gathered that might be what happened. Oh shit! I couldn't get a straight answer on that, but it said like he was being tutored from this guy by this guy from eleven to sixteen. Then he returned to Montpelier, where his family had moved when he was eleven. I'm like, so he was tutored by this guy from eleven to sixteen. Where was he? <laughs> But was he actually being tutored or was it just like he learned Latin? Okay, so either tutored or exercised. I think he was kidnapped by demons. I've been I'd watch that movie. We watched a lot of Supernatural, except he didn't really retire. He kind of hung out with Thomas Jefferson. And during that time, he wrote the Virginia Resolution, which was an opposition to the Alien and Sedition Sedition Acts. 
which I'll talk about here in a second, too. Then he came back in 1980. He was the youngest member of the Continental. Wait. 1780. Okay, thank God. I was like, what the fuck? He came back in 1980? 1780. 1780. Making him the youngest member of the Continental Cro- Congress. My math has to be wrong here. Yeah, I did something wrong here. Oh, uh, yeah, 1777. He took years off. Not 1797. Okay. Because we are now in 1780. So, yeah, he wasn't even as old as I thought he was. He was in his 20s when he retired initially. I mean, I would I would retire right now if I was given the option. Yeah, well, this guy is so ridiculously rich. Like, ridiculously rich. So I was wrong. I, re- I typed that in wrong. Uh, 1797, so he retired when he was, like, 25. And then unretired when he was, like, 30. Um, he became the youngest member of the Continental Congress. He felt that the continent, the continent, the, uh, constitution was unstructured and gave too much freedom to the states, which were more focused on keeping their individual constituencies happy than on strengthening the nation as a whole. So he authored the Virginia plan, which proposed a three branch national government, including the creation of Congress. He ended up proposing a compromise on this with one chamber being proportionately representative of both free and enslaved people and the other based on only free people. So basically he wanted to count all slaves as individual people and all free people as individual people to figure out that part of Congress. And then the other one is based exclusively on free people for the other chamber of Congress. But the other people, and he was like, and look, look, guys, this works because the Northern states are more populated, but they don't have, they don't have as many slaves. And then the Southern states are less populated by free people, but have a lot of slaves. So in one chamber, you will have the North more represented and the other chamber, you have the South more represented. It's, it works out. But they were like, no, slaves aren't people. And he was like, yes, they are. Like, Look at them. They are human beings. And they're like, no. So that's how we ended up with the three-fifths compromise. So James Madison was able to get them declared three-fifths of a person, which is more than the other people wanted. But not great. No, not great And still feel like that's kind of going on today. Um, Though he did want to create a stronger federal government without letting the states have the level of freedom that they wanted so they could do whatever they wanted within their own location without any regard for the country as a whole, he wasn't against this government led by the people. He didn't want a dictatorship. After the Constitution, he became one of the writers of the Federalist Papers, which tried to convince people to ratify the Constitution. He wrote 29 of the 85 essays. In the Federalist Papers, he wrote that a complex federal government would make it harder for specific factions to gain powder, power and for the government to uphold liberty. But as time went on, he thought that the Constitution didn't go far enough to guarantee the government would really pay attention to the people. So initially, Federalist Papers, he was like, you won't have freedom without the Constitution. And then he was like, oh, shit, the Constitution doesn't actually make people free. So during this, I mentioned he was talking about the enlightened people, the enlightened people, which is a little Fox Newsy. And so he actually kind of fell into that. Oh, no. Um, He had some very strong opinions of what being enlightened was. Basically, if you agreed with him, you were enlightened. Um, So like things like in popular basis of political authority, he wrote, quote, public opinion sets bounds to every government and is the real sovereign in every free one. Um, So he basically was like public opinion is in charge of the government. But I'm also later on going to tell you what your opinion is. Uh, the first... God, my stuff is all over the place here because, like I said, it's so, it's so confusing. And every site had a slightly different timeline for everything he did. So maybe that's why we don't learn so much about him. It's just, it's just confusing. He's confusing and he changed his mind about things, God forbid. 
What? And that's un-American. The slavery thing is kind of a complicated topic with him. And he didn't think the the um, Constitution was perfect. And he didn't really like the Bill of Rights. But I'll talk about that, like I said. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, he doesn't like to be misrepresented. So he actually hated being called the father of the Constitution. Uh, so with all this, he was like, the Constitution's a good thing. That's what the Federalist Papers were for. Ratify it, ratify it, ratify it. He wrote the Constitution, really. We give all that to Jefferson, but I'm like, no, he wrote the Declaration, yeah. not the Constitution. Um, James Madison was like, yeah, I didn't write this. It was a bunch of us who wrote it. So stop saying I wrote it. <laughs> so during all of this, he also went on to found the Democratic Republicans, which was America's first official political party. Uh, this continued his belief that people should be enlightened. That's where he became Fox News, through a publication called the National Gazette, which was highly biased, and they wrote attack pieces on people and issues he and Jefferson didn't like. Now, granted, it was more like, I guess, like MSNBC, because it was kind of comparatively liberal. Then comes in Patrick Henry. And by then, I mean, he's been here the whole time, but I wasn't sure where to stick him. <laughs> um, we tend to not talk about Patrick Henry too much. I only have a vague idea who he is. Give me liberty or give me death. Okay. That's it. Didn't he die? I believe he got both at some point. Okay. Um, so we didn't talk about him probably because he didn't like the Constitution like at all. <laughs> um, he felt it overdid it on the federal government and posed a threat to individual liberties, which is funny because that's exactly like what James Madison was trying to do was like, no, I like he James Madison was like, I need this to give lots and lots of liberties to individuals. And Patrick Henry was like, but you're doing the opposite. So you can imagine how well they got along. Um, he initially battled against the Virginia Constitution, lost that promised he would accept it and become a good citizen, and then turned out he lied and basically tried to cause all kinds of shit because he lost. Okay, I, in my head, like, he is just John Mulaney at this point, just like, and I lied like a liar. <laughs> um, so instead, he tried to do things like change the structure of the government. <laughs> including who decided who got to make war happen. Madison was like, uh, you are trying to overthrow the government, sir, and you are trying to create a Southern Confederacy. Wow. Patrick Henry had a lot of power in Virginia, so he told the Virginia legislature that if they liked constitutional amendments, they needed to oppose Madison as a senator and told them that Madison would re getting elected would result in Virginians dying. That, res that also contributed to his loss in the election where he blames it on the booze. Patrick Henry. Patrick motherfucking Henry. Despite James Madison being a notoriously quiet person, when he spoke, people tended to listen. And so he'd become known as proficient public speaker, despite the fact that he that he also couldn't speak. And that's how he managed to basically be like, Patrick Henry, go fuck yourself. So while Washington was president, I said, we're jumping around because nothing is linear in this story. Mm -hmm. Madison was in Congress and generally supported Washington's side. However, there seems to be disagreement about whether or not Madison liked the Bill of Rights, which he wrote. <laughs> Some sources say he was against them and was forced to write them. Um, all sources kind of seem to believe that he didn't think they were foolproof enough uh, in ensuring liberties. Some say he proposed them to begin with. <laughs> uh, but he had a list of 20 instead of 10, which we do know is true, that he did have 20 instead of 10, um, with the goal of keeping it from infringing on individual liberties. Because that was his thing. He's like, okay, you're making me write this list of things we're doing, which are really vague and still give us too much power. We do know that he wanted to expand the preamble, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, blah, blah, blah. Is that it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, he wanted to expand it and have that actually be the second paragraph. The first paragraph was going to be really punching home to everybody. This is about the people, not about you. 
You don't get to change things just because you're the politician and you want the power. You are going to change things if and only if it is for the benefit of the people, not the government, not you, the people. And they told him to shut up. And he was like, but isn't that what we're for? Shh, no, no, that's what we're saying. So he lost. Um, he tried to have it be more explicit about ensuring the individuals had power. He tried to further strengthen the three branches of government so that they couldn't interfere with one another. Executive, judicial, legislative, separate branches, period, end of story was what he wanted. Uh, that also got knowed. Um, And then he had the version of the Second Amendment, which said that, you know, the first part was still there, which was the right to bear arms because you have to have a militia, blah, blah, blah. There's a second sentence with the addition that people who are religiously scrupulous about guns can't be compelled to engage in military service. He wanted it in the Bill of Rights that you can't basically draft people if they have a religious objection, where now you can draft people regardless of their religion and make them go through a whole fucking process and maybe not a lot, maybe not make them. At the time, militias were local people and you were compelled to do it either legally or socially. You did not have a choice in this. So some Quakers were paying their neighbors to take their spot because they, the Quaker, couldn't do it because of their religion. Those Quakers would then get put in jail because it is immoral to pay somebody to go fight for you. But it is not immoral to force somebody to go fight. Yeah, there is a there's a disconnect in this. Yes. This is ultimately ruled against because they wanted to give power to states and not individuals. So they wanted to let the states decide whether or not you could force somebody to be in a militia. They didn't want to let individuals have the right to say no. Um, and it indicates that they found the right to bear arms was not for individuals, but for the but for the glory of the government. It was not about individuals at any point by a lot of interpretations. Huh. Afterward, the, after this came the Alien and Sedition Act. And because we were afraid of war with France. This almost tripled the residency requirement years for citizenships, let people be arrested and deported if they were citizens of a country we were fighting. It was men only, then they expanded it to women. And it let the president deport any non-citizen believed to be plotting against the government, regardless if it was peace or wartime. So, yeah, and yes, some of this still exists today. We still can deport people because we're at war with their country. Wow. It's been, it's got a different name now. I thought about changing my topic and covering that instead, but I was like, no, you are three-fourths done. <laughs> um, and you could also um, not have freedom of speech or the press. That was part of the Alien and Sedition Act, is you couldn't say anything bad about John Adams or the Federalists or you'd go to jail. And people did. People went to jail for this. As you might imagine, the debate over this is a big part of why Jefferson won the next presidential election, though parts of it still stand today. During the Jeffersonian presidency, Madison did help finalize the Louisiana Purchase. I started to add some stuff about that. And then I was like, fuck this. That needs to be its own episode because it was illegal. And Madison, with his whole rights of the people, rights of the people, did not care that it was illegal. <laughs> um, like, and it infringed on people's rights. Are you crazy? Care. Like, land that cheap? No, you buy it. Don't care what the law says. Uh, so I talked at length about Dolly Madison back on episode eight. And a lot of what happens from here on out involves her. And I don't want to get into all of it again. So go back and listen to episode eight if you really want to know. Also, Dolly Madison, way more interesting than James Madison. Yeah. I'm just putting that out there right now. I know I'm talking about James right now. Go back to episode eight if you are bored and listen about Dolly, because Dolly, Dolly's crazy. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I was like, actually, I was like, wow, Dolly was the, charis the charisma. I'm guessing, like, was he married to her when he ran for Senate and lost to Patrick Henry? No. Yeah. 
See, she was the winner in this. She was the winning part of this formula. No, they got married when he was in his 40s. Yeah, that's why he lost. He didn't have Dolly to make him look like not a whiny Oh, no, that's pretty nerd. much what happens to him for the rest of his life is Dolly is actually the president. No one will convince me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, he's he makes the decisions, but Dolly kind of tells him whether or not he gets to make the decisions. <laughs> and then this, she translates this... the, tr- the decisions for everybody else. And then she does snuff with a bunch of male politicians, and they all think she's pretty scandalous, but she makes them talk to each other. And diplomacy happens because of Dolly Madison. So... <laughs> This is describing us to a shocking degree, especially you doing snuff with politicians. All the time. I'm not sure what snuff is. I think it's ground up tobacco that you I snort up your so nose. I too, but I'm not sure because I think it also might be what you put up in your lip that is not chewed. I, I, I always thought you snorted snuff, but I could be wrong. I think I think it goes up between your, I think it's like a piece of tissue. I don't know. Okay, we, um, uh, maybe we, I think this is the third time we've had this discussion on this podcast. Probably, maybe, maybe, maybe we, we should, should educate ourselves. It. No, see, you will Google stuff while I'm talking. I won't do it because I would rather be wrong and have an opinion. What race are you? I'm, I'm, I'm European. What gender are you? I'm a man. So you're a mediocre white man. I am a mediocre white man <laughs> with wrong opinions. But you will yell at them I very sh- loudly. I will shout my bad takes on things out onto the internet without any fear of reprisal. Uh, Dolly and James got married on September 15th, 1794. Madison was very shy. So Dolly became the face of the presidency. Um, basically, like she would make him go do stuff. She's like, we got to go to this party. I don't want to. James, <laughs> this is your party. James, James, this is an inauguration. It is your inauguration, James. But I'm playing Fortnite. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to figure out James Madison. I like in reading more and more about him, there's something different about him. Time traveler. Um, there like things have to be done a certain way. And he liked he liked things the way he liked them. And Dolly Madison was like, You're gonna like things the way I like them. He's like, But I don't want to. She's like, This is your party, bitch, we're going. So it's like kinda like a weird like Penny and Sheldon thing going on. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> um Dolly brought her son into the marriage, which was uh, John Payne Todd. He's also went by his he went by Payne. He was James Madison's ruination, which, again, episode eight, just know that Payne Todd sucks. Um, and James Madison adopted him. His colleagues kept saying, well, it's because he's infertile. That's why he doesn't have kids. He's infertile. And don't bring it up. It really bothers him. And James Madison never once brought that up himself. There is no indication that he was infertile or that it bothered him that he did not have biological children. <laughs> this is just people raising shit. And these are his friends. These are not, this is not like a Hamilton versus Burr thing. This was his buddy Burr saying this stuff because he was friends with him. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say it. I feel like James Madison was the Gretchen Wieners of this friend group, and there was just a bunch of Regina Georges being mean to him. I don't know, because he was kind of in charge in his own quiet way. Well, that's why his... He's more like the Remus Lupin. His weight was so big because it was full of secrets. Uh, actually, in his pictures, he has a he it has a very small to no wig. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah, he was not the... Re- he might have been the Regina George. He wasn't loud enough. No. He doesn't fit into Mean Girls. No. Um, his dad died in 1801, and Montpelier and his slaves were... Its slaves were left to James Madison, but he was off, you know, being the president and shit. So his six siblings were allowed to live there and manage it. Uh, we talked about his sister a little bit on one of the other on the other episodes yeah. as well. Um, under Thomas Jefferson, who when he became president, he was appointed Secretary of State, even though he had no experience in foreign policy whatsoever. But he had Dolly Madison. He had Dolly Madison, and he actually and he was honestly probably the smartest guy in the room, especially after Hamilton died. 
and this is funny um i talk about this a little bit in the musical hamilton it is hamilton versus madison and the rest of them that's not really how it went he and hamilton were on opposite sides of most things but they consistently wrote stuff together they would actually like the federalist papers (laughs) we talked about madison wrote a bunch of them hamilton just wrote more of them they were all writing the same shit There were a lot of different acts that he and Hamilton co-wrote, despite being on complete opposite sides of most things, Um, especially when it came to financial stuff. Madison hated the bank the way that Hamilton had set it up. Then he found out Hamilton was right. Um, Like in in Hamilton, Jefferson's like, I couldn't have, you know, I couldn't have undone it if I tried. If I tried and And I I tried. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he succeeded in undoing it. It didn't go well. (laughs) which I'm going to talk about just very briefly. Um, He was elected to the presidency in 1808, and in 1812, he told Congress, I want to go to war with Britain again. It's weird because he didn't like war and and believed war itself to be a threat to liberty. But among other things, they believed that the British were giving weapons to the Native Americans, who they considered a bigger threat to the territories than war. And they also thought that the Brits were taking American ships and trying to get territory in Canada and Florida. So let's start a war with them. And Britain's like, what? It's like, bring now there, it, there is some stuff happening that has to do with Napoleon and like all this other stuff that's going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and at points, crazy. at points, America becomes the like forgotten child. Well, two parents are getting divorced and they're both saying, well, I love them more. No, I love them more. And then telling the kid, well, like, your dad hates you, your mom hates you. Like, that also was going on, but that's it. Like I said, I'm not and covering the Meanwhile, Canada, the good, the good child was, like, you know, saying, oh, yes, father. Uh, so, I lost my place. Oh, okay. So, this is actually how Madison came up when I was looking at the Capitol burning. It wasn't like, oh, Madison went and hid during the Capitol burning. He, di- he did, but... Well, it's um, like he the was, reason, part of the reason he the was Capitol, four foot nothing and ninety pounds. What was he going to do? Part of the reason the Capitol got burned, depending on the source, we do know for a fact that there have been two sitting presidents who have entered battle. One was Abraham Lincoln. The other was James Madison, who was not allowed to enter battle. <laughs> but he finds out that the British are getting really fucking close, and so he's like, "They're like, okay, you need to go into hiding." And he's like, "Oh fuck you!" He gets on a horse and he rides into battle. <laughs> And by into battle, as far as I could understand it, I mean into the British forces. <laughs> what? Why didn't you start with this? The way I read it was he blundered into the British forces. That is what I read. No matter what, he ended up having to retreat. Potentially just with his group, potentially with the whole army. It was kind of hard to tell. <laughs> depending on basically whose side you were on when you were writing about this topic. <laughs> But either way, he tried. He legitimately was going to go help. They were like, you can't go. He goes, why should they keep fighting if the person who sent them isn't going to fight? And I think he was feeling guilty. I actually do, because he didn't like war. He was like, I'm forcing people to go fight for me, and I'm not even willing to do it. Fuck this. And then he just wasn't good at it. Um, so he ended up having to go into hiding. And all of this, because they had to retreat, the, Brit- the Brits were like, oh, oh, oh we won. We, we won. We're in the capital. What now? They just kind of milled around, sat at a desk. They walked within the red ropes. They stole a podium and drove back to Florida. Actually, not all of that is inaccurate. <laughs> so they uh, they were like, okay, White House or Capitol? Both. Um, they actually destroyed every major building except for the Capitol building, which was only mostly destroyed. <laughs> August 24th, 1814, they got to the White House and they saw... <laughs> dinner was still out they ate the dinner <laughs> they went up there like oh cool james madison's dinner 
So they ate that. They stole a bunch of shit. And they set it on fire. Madison actually thought this might happen. So before he went off, he told Dolly, get the important shit together and be ready to run. And so she and the servants, she got the shit together and she's looking out with her spy glasses and she sees the British. She's like, all right, bitches, let's go. And that's how she got out of there. Okay. I want there to be an alternate history in which uh, Dolly Madison home alones the White House and fights off the British forces through uh, zany antics and booby traps. I mean, that is kind of who Dolly Madison was. Oh, man. And then they settle in Chicago and start the line leading up to Kevin McAllister going through the dark period of H.H. Holmes. Jesus Christ. This is all in my head. How are we going to connect all of this? Uh, we got we go from the White House to H.H. H. Holmes' murder castle to Home Alone. I don't know. It's like maybe maybe like an ancestor moved to Chicago for a fresh we got, start. We, we got to think of a good title to connect all of these. The Home Aloneverse. I don't know. The, we are failing this time. Last yeah. time went so much better. It did. Um, they set fire to, fire to the Capitol. The Capitol only stayed up at all because a torrential rainstorm showed up which is also why the british had to leave it was that bad it took out the senate wing which at the time housed pretty much everything important including the library of congress just after this madison was like all right well we're not done so he got a spot at blodgett's hotel for when their session started up again the following month uh then they moved the brick capital which was built for them as a temporary space the okay this was 1814 it was five years later that they were able to start back up in the capital again now, from the beginning, Madison had opposed Hamilton's National Bank. But during the war, he had found that the state's rights had limitations. So he created the second bank of the United States as they had let the first one expire in 1811. And the War of 1812's lack of a national bank meant that they had no money. Because <laughs> the states then were like, we don't have to give you money for your war. It's like, fine then, you fight it. So, um... Yeah, they had. He started the Second National Bank, realizing that maybe Hamilton had the only possible workable idea in our government. Then <laughs> um, also, just as a little side note, during his presidency, Madison had two vice presidents, both of whom died. Um, he ended up not having one for the in, for the last good chunk of his presidency, like the last two years of his presidency, because the other two had died in three years, and he was like, apparently, I am bad luck for vice presidents. Now remember, this is a sickly man. <gasps> oh no. He has ridden into battle and ridden out. He's married to Dolly Madison, which just has to be exhausting. And now he has outlived two vice presidents. He seems fine. Yeah, this is a good plan. Um, After his presidency ended, he moved to Montpelier, which was still an active plantation with enslaved people. His stance on slavery was super weird. He once wrote, quote, We have seen the mere distinction of color made in the most enlightened period of time, a ground of the most oppressive dominion ever exercised by man over man. He was openly against slavery at the Philadelphia Convention, to the point where he believed the importation of newly enslaved people needed to be ended immediately. In the 1780s, he thought that freed people weren't going to be able to integrate, so he's talked about establishing colonies to send them back to in Africa, um, and he was president of the American Colonization Society, which created Liberia. What? Yeah. I thought Monroe was the one who did that. He was the president of it. Huh. Monroe probably did more. Did Because they, but... the they named their capital after him, yeah. Monrovia. But then, between 1819 and 1821, he said that they should extend slavery into the West. You know, the Louisiana Purchase Territory. 
ultimately, while he didn't like slavery on an intellectual level, he also didn't think a lot of action was needed and that it would go away on its own. He thought that as we expanded to the West, it would just go away. He didn't want to have to take those actions. But it, there, there's no way it would have just gone away. It's like, well, mm-hmm. look at how much money we're making. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the problem that we keep talking about is that our founding fathers had a lot of idealism issues. They thought people were better than they are. So James Madison, in theory, didn't like slavery and he never really freed his slaves. But based on what I've read about him and about Dolly, I think he wanted to. But her piece of shit son made them so poor. And basically Madison having to pay for this kid to not be killed by the mob, more or less, that he didn't have a choice if he wanted to be able to continue to pay for any kind of lifestyle. So, yes, you always have a choice. I'm not saying that this was okay. Um, the way he saw it, his options were to end up destitute or continue to have slaves. And by all accounts, his slaves were treated well. He did not allow physical injury to them. He made sure that they were eating, eating, eating. He made sure that they, you know, had reasonable health care for the time. Like he knew that they were people and he didn't seem to like that he owned them, but he also wasn't willing to not own Mm. them. And this is like this. This is a stupid trap that people get into. It's like, well, they were treated well. No, they, they were, were owned. They were still owned. They mm-hmm. had no autonomy. They were maybe provided for if they were lucky, and they could be sold to some. Yes, like, and that was one of his things too. Is he always like, I will not sell my slaves. I know they're treated well here. I can't guarantee that elsewhere. I will not sell them, except for fucking pain, Todd. He had to start selling his slaves to pay off Payne's debts. Now, at least in one case, and there was no real talking about just the general one. We don't know how many people he sold. um, But he did, at least in one case, have it on a guarantee that after X number of years, that slave would be freed. And that is what happened. So whatever contract he wrote up was solid. Um, The remaining ones were to be left to Dolly when he died, with the understanding that she would only sell them with their consent. Which did not happen because of fucking pain. Pain in my ass, but I like mm-hmm. it. But she already had very few to begin with because it already sold off so many because of fucking pain. And when she uh, when she died, they were passed on to fucking pain. But when he died, they were they were freed. Near the end of James's life, he grew, seemed to grow increasingly irritable. Though people aren't sure whether this is about his finances or his health or just the fact that he was getting old, we do know he began to change documents to make himself look better. <laughs> so up until that point, don't call me a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Don't call me the founding fa- the the father of the Constitution. I'm not. Oh, I gotta fix these papers. Yeah, he's like it's like James Madison. Six foot two, five hundred pounds of pure muscle. That's a big man. I I was Uh, making up numbers. I'm also tired. uh, James Madison died on June 28th, 1836. I didn't write it down, but I believe he was 85. And he wasn't, he was only like mostly dead up until that <laughs> because his... He's only mostly dead. It'll take a miracle. No, 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 no. No, I, I mean this. So this dude, he's like in his mid 80s. His whole life, he's been too sick to do anything. And the doctor was like, I can give you some fucking Adderall and keep you awake for a few more days. So he's only mostly dead <laughs> because he died on June 28th. The doctor was like, I can keep you alive using stimulants until July 4th. Because then he would have shared a death date with Monroe, Adams, and Jefferson. That would have been nuts. He said no. He was like, no, I'm, I am old. I'm old. Just let me fucking die. Also, fucking pain is here. So I'm sure he wanted out. Yeah. 
this made him the small, sickly, 100-pound, tiny, too-weak-to-speak man, the final signer of the Constitution to die. (laughs) Yeah. And you kind of have to wonder, too, when you're a hypochondriac, you tend to stay away from sick people. Is being hypochondriac actually what kept him healthy? Maybe. Dolly's still alive. (laughs) Yeah. Today, she is still alive. She's... Uh, she, uh, you may know her by her new, uh, name, Dolly Parton. God, Dolly Parton would never raise a piece of shit like pain. No. Uh, and then the last thing you might be thinking, but why is someone like Hamilton on currency? But Madison is not. Yeah, why? He is. He is on the $5,000 bill. The what now? The $5,000 bill, which is real. It is no longer in circulation. The last one that was be- that was public, and they do know the other ones exist, but the last one that was up for auction was in really good condition in 2010, sold for over $100,000. But it's only a $5,000 bill. Yeah. I guess pay- I guess money is completely arbitrary and, arb- mm-hmm. and is only as valuable as we-, as we view it. So, yeah. So that's James Madison, who we- his life is bizarre. Um, he-, he never stopped striking me as somebody who doesn't know what they want to be when they grow up. He had a lot of ideas, some good, some not so good. And he seems like he had a lot of inner conflict that happened. He seems, he really seems like the rich kid who, he just seemed like a rich kid. He seems like a rich kid who was trying. Yeah. Kind of like Logan Huntsberger during some of the seasons, but not others. God, I still hate Logan. He's in his 40s. I hate Logan. God, like, he's in his 40s, 40s. God, we were watching The Prom yesterday and found out, and I was telling Austin, like, okay, Andrew Rannells, like, he can't pass for being in his 40s. That's why they still have him playing somebody who's, like, 30. He can't pass for being in his 40s. He is 42 years old, it turns out, and I stand by it. He cannot pass for being in his 40s. He is also uh, the same age as James Corden. James Corden, thank you. I who can pass for being in his 40s yeah. and his 30s. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The reason I was saying it, because I was like, you know, Andrew Rannells couldn't play James Corden's part because he can't pass for the age of James Corden's character. The character, I believe, if I did my math right, is supposed to be 39, which doesn't make sense based on the Broadway production, but based on the line he said in the show. So they're both older than the character is supposed to be based on that basic math, and Andrew Rannells can't even pass for being our age. Yeah. Oh, it just. Also, I came across a realization yesterday watching this. I just don't like late night show hosts. Like, something about them just I ticks love me James the hell Corden. off. I love him. That's the. Like, I don't know why I don't like James Corden. I just don't like him. I think it's because he has a late night show. Just think of him as the father of Stormageddon. Don't think about him as a talk show host. Okay. Hell, his talk show host is talk show is barely a talk show. It's mostly a sketch comedy show. Look at it that way. Okay. It is a sketch comedy show where they occasionally interview people. Mm. That is Saturday Night Live. You like Saturday Night Live? I do like Saturday Night Live. I like it now, but man, I hated it when I first watched it. So I'm just fixing you, is what you're saying. You probably are. After we watched The Prom, tell them what you said. My God, Ryan Murphy was all over this. Yes. There was that too. But um, we, fu- we finished watching The Prom and Austin, I was like, put on something else. And he was like, okay. And he goes over and goes, can we watch Camp Rock? Because uh, first of all, we've been joking about it. It's like, it's like okay, I'm going to watch a different musical that's kind of stupid. And I found out, how many times have you seen Camp Rock? Probably 12. Because? Because of my horrible first marriage? Oh, yeah. Never mind. I thought it was because, because it was stupid and you loved it. I mean... I had no idea you loved Camp Rock this much. I do love Camp Rock. Not as much as High School Musical, but I do love it. Um, because Demi Lovato is a goddamn treasure and I love the Jonas Brothers. Also, there's why are there no drums at Camp Rock? Yes. What is that about? There's a whole character in there. His whole persona is I am a drummer and they don't let him have drums and they never give Nick it's, Jonas a drum set and that is what Nick Jonas does like it is not acceptable this character literally is drumming in every scene he walks drumming on stuff he's got drumsticks in his hands 
every scene and he's hitting stuff with drumsticks. There is not a single drum in the entire... There is a tambourine. There is a trumpet. There's a trombone. There are all these things that don't make sense at some kind of rock music camp, but there are no drums. Again, not a drum. This entire movie. They definitely had people playing instruments they did not know how to play. Yeah. And I love this movie. And also, though, how chill was Demi Lovato character's mom? She was a great mom character. Like, we are at the age now where we're sympathizing with the mom. Uh, I spent that entire movie sympathizing with Drum Kid. <laughs> yeah, every time drums. Drum Kid showed up on screen, Austin would comment on Drum Kid being there. Like, Drum Kid! Uh, do, you want to hear, do you want your questions? Are they about Drum Kid? No. Then fine, I guess. Will this be on the test? James Madison was small and potentially sickly or potentially a hypochondriac. Yes. Uh, his views were super inspired by the Enlightenment, and he wanted a strong central government with a focus on individual rights. No, because that would just be really confusing no matter what grade you're in. Yes. It's confusing now, and I'm almost 35. Um, he didn't really know what he wanted to be when he grew up. Oh, that's a tough one, because you don't want kids... You want them to know, it's like, it's okay if you don't know what you want to be, but at the same time, it's like, you have to know what you want to be right now. Mm-hmm. In, in the third grade, are you going to be an engineer? Are you going to be a failure? You have to pick now. Um, he was a founding father during the revolution who had a major influence over the revolution, but did not fight in a single battle during the revolution. Yeah, I think that'll be in there. And he seemed to both want the slaves freed and not sli- and not freed at the same time. Again, probably not because it's a gray area and we don't do those. No. So yeah, that is James Madison. Go back to episode eight for Dolly Madison because she is something else. Well, this guy, you know, I think if I went and read a couple of books on him, I might be a little clearer on what he did. And I can tell what he, I can tell you right now what he did. Very important. Formed a lot of things about the country. He made a lot of compromises. But the timeline is the biggest thing. And nobody really seems to agree on him. And I wonder if that has to do with him changing his papers. Because I bet Maybe. there are different papers that say different things. Again, yeah, that makes sense. He's just like, he, he. And then also, if I remember right, and you'll have to check me on the Dolly Medicine episode of number eight. Um, I believe Dolly sold some of his papers. Yeah. Which means other people could have done stuff with them. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm thinking, like, what if he had proof of aliens and he edited that out? It's like, no one will believe that the spacemen came to me and told me I'd live to be 85. I'm telling you, aliens, zombies, ghosts, those are the real reasons that cops can turn off their uh, their body cams and their dash cams. Yeah. Zom- they know, they all know about them. They all know about them. Well, I mean, how many times, like, we, we couldn't find the body. We know where the murder happened. We found the weapon. We found the person who killed them standing there covered in blood. We just never found the body zombie zombie yep that's got to be it it's the only explanation okay in that situation though, give me another explanation very large birds okay very large birds mothman mothman beats mothman though mothman did not kill the person the murderer did it mothman came to try to save them mothman was warning them all that this was mm-hmm. going to happen and mm-hmm. they just didn't listen to mothman uh so right now it is january 10th we have 10 days until the inauguration so you will hear from us once more actually does this come out on the next on the inauguration day oh god hold on what i don't know let me look at a calendar (laughs) weren't you just looking at a calendar i was looking at the date okay is is inauguration on tuesday or thursday it is on a wednesday neither so so yeah you've got uh this you got one more episode after this one so, um, folks, stay safe out there. Do not go breaking into federal buildings. That is a federal crime, and you will and should be prosecuted for it handily. Um, and, yeah, just be safe. Don't be a terrible person. It's not hard to not be a terrible person. Yeah, and maybe, just maybe, like, 
don't base all of your decisions off of memes. And if you thought Rudy Giuliani said this was a good idea, do the opposite of that thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the hair dye. That alone, people. Look at Rudy Giuliani and think, is this the man I want informing me of things? No. No, he is not. So yeah, make good choices. We will be back in a week. Where can people find us until then? They can find us on Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at Facebook. Facebook.com. Facebook. The, Facebook. The, the big birds are coming. Facebook. Facebook. No, no, this is about Bach, the musician. Oh, okay. Facebook.com slash on the test pod. Instagram at on the test pod. And our website on the test pod.com. And we'll be, my brain just stopped a little bit because I'm thinking all about those Aurora Tea Garden mysteries we have to get back to, Austin. Yeah, we, uh, we've been watching a lot of Aurora Tea Garden mysteries, which you thought we loved the romances. The mysteries are better. God, it's... I Guys, this is what quarantine has sent us. You're talking to people. Yes, we've always loved bad movies, but we went to the Oscar movie marathons every year. And we went out of our way to watch these really important we like, films. And then we'd, dis- we'd, we'd have a long discussion about Moonlight. And like, why did they make this decision? And Parasite. Parasite was the last movie we saw in theaters? It was the last movie we thought saw in theaters. This quarantine has made it so that we will watch anything with Candace Cameron Bure or Lacey Chabert in it. And that's all there is to it. Oh, remember how it was almost Cats was the last movie we saw in theaters and we just barely squeaked in seeing Parasite? Is that accurate or was Cats after? Cats was Cats was the last movie I saw before Parasite. Okay. Oh boy. So guys, please wear a mask so we can get out of this soon. And on that note, let's go watch some Aurora Tea Garden and Class, class Dismissed. dismissed.